Hi everyone. Um, good evening to you all wherever you are and welcome to today's session. Definitely, I mean, it's something we've all been looking up to, uh, looking forward to, uh, to have a conversation like this. And this is basically a conversation that has been organized by the Commonwealth Association uh, under the auspices of the Ghana Representative in collaboration with the Abai Center for Global Policy. And this session basically seeks to provide more insights into available opportunities that young people take advantage of to study in the United Kingdom, um, which is the headquarters of the Commonwealth. And the Commonwealth of Nations is basically a group of countries that uh, were formerly um, affiliated to the United Kingdom coming together and pursuing a lot of economic goals and developmental agenda. And that is what brought about the Commonwealth. And in, under the Commonwealth, we have the youth networks. And under the youth networks, you would find the Commonwealth Student Association, which is more of a representation of all students who are studying in the various Commonwealth countries. And so today, we find it very necessary we have conversations about scholarships, also because of the fact that, according to research, um, funding or financing education is a huge barrier. It's one of the most prominent barriers that prevents people from actually accessing education. And when you look at the Sustainable Development Goals, number four, which speaks about quality education, it has a lot of emphasis on access and quality. And in assessing quality education, one of the hindrances is finance. And so we deem it very necessary that we tackle the issue of finance here through the various opportunities available. And uh, to kick start, I think I have some of our speakers on already, but others have joined, but I'm inviting you to speak. Um, on this space, we have Mr. Benjamin Fraser, who is the chairperson of the Commonwealth Student Association. And, and then, we also have our speakers. Um, I can see Mr. Atudazi, who is a Commonwealth Shared uh, Scholar currently. Um, we have Mr. Senor Tetegan, um, who was at the University of Sussex. Um, Senor, please, I'm sending you an invitation to speak. Um, please accept so that you can speak. And then Benjamin. Benjamin, I'm sending you connect um, invitation to speak. All right, sure. Uh, okay, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Finally, <laughs> now we have. Oh, we have Benjamin on. Trying to see, I thought I saw him connecting. Um, Benjamin, because I, I, I had wanted him to address us uh, briefly before we get into uh the thick of things um but i'm sure he's probably facing some technical challenges but let's let's get straight away um um after that z and senior maybe we can start with some brief introductions so that i mean our listeners today will get to know the people that we are having uh today as our speakers so i'll start with after that z 
Okay, uh, thank you very much, uh, Master Joshua P. So, uh, good evening, everyone. My name is Atul Dazi Dennis, and I'm currently a Commonwealth Share Scholar at the University of Birmingham, pursuing international development, particularly Africa and then development. Yeah, thank you. Thank you very much. Um, Stephen. Hi, uh, Joshua. Hi, everyone. Uh, thanks for joining. I have to apologize for um, any poor network because I'm not in, uh, I'm, I'm currently in a rural area, but I've tried to find a place with stable internet. So I'm hoping that works. My name is Steven Senor Tataga. I prefer to be called by my middle name, which is Senor. And I was a Shivanen scholar from 2021 to 2022. And I won the Commonwealth Shared Scholarship in the Birmingham City University, as well as the Queen Elizabeth Commonwealth Scholarship in 2019. And I've been working in education as an education consultant and specialist uh, with uh, yeah, different uh, hats here and there. My current professional engagement is with the Luminous Fund in Ghana as the Ghana Country Manager. And I'm pleased to join you guys this evening. All right. Thank you very much, um, Stephen and, and um, Atul. Um, it's, it's a great privilege to have you here. We, we, we all know the stories about these scholarships top top level competition very competitive of course and and so if if you get in uh, then it means that you are the best amongst the rest and so and equally it means also that you have a lot of things also that you are doing and so when you take time off this, your shadows and you join us on on sessions like this then it's something that we are most grateful for i'm sure uh, benjamin is now on um or please who is who's behind the common word um account i i am it's, it's me so i i'm very new to this twitter space and how to function in it can you hear me yeah i can but i want to say joshua this is a tremendous initiative and it's so good to see the mix of persons joining there are so many opportunities to study overseas the uk is one such place and historically the UK has offered extremely high levels of you know, quality research and tertiary opportunities. So exploring the opportunities in the UK specifically, I think will help many young persons who are interested in studying outside of their country. So commendations to you in your capacity as Ghana and to the team that, that, that organized this. Also, Special thanks from the CSC executive to Avan Global, which is the key partner on this think tank. Thank you, sir. Back over to you. All right, uh, Benjamin, thank you very much. So um, that was Benjamin. He is the, the chairperson for the Commonwealth Students Association. Uh, very huge um, and a very big stakeholder. I mean, we are talking about over 1.2 billion students um, across the Commonwealth. And um, he happens to lead a lot of conversations on behalf of all of us. Very happy to have you and very much privileged to have you equally listening in and all that. I think we would always be able to also follow on your insights because he has access to all the big people in the Commonwealth. <laughs> all right, so let's zoom straight into the conversation. So we have Atul who benefited from the Commonwealth Shed. That's more of like, one branch of the conversation we want to have. And then we have Senor, who was also on the, the Chevening Scholarship itself. And 
also like got into the Commonwealth shed as well. Yeah, he, he he would be like a multiple kind of player, but I mean, we would let him show more light on the Chevening scholarship. But first, I would want at all. Can you tell us what at all? Like, I mean, the Commonwealth scholarship. What 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 is it like? And what are some of the opportunities that we are talking about? What does it bring? And like maybe just like a general overview on what the scholarship is. Okay, uh, thank you very much, Joshua. So the the Commonwealth scholarship is actually a fully funded scholarship, um, actually sponsored by the UK government, and it has a number of scholarships, right? So there are different types of common scholarships. So we have the Commonwealth PhD scholarship for least developed countries and fragile states. And then we have Commonwealth split size scholarships for low and middle income countries. We have Commonwealth master scholarship. We have Commonwealth shared scholarship. We have Commonwealth distance learning scholarship. There are actually a number of them. We even have Commonwealth PhD scholarship for high income countries. We also have Commonwealth medical fellowships as well as Commonwealth Professional Fellowships. So these are all the different types of Commonwealth scholarships that are actually available. Uh -huh. So basically, Commonwealth um, scholarship is a fully funded scholarship funded by the, the UK government. It's a full scholarship, so flights from Ghana to the UK, I mean, visa, visa fees, everything. Yeah, so living allowances, monthly stipends, and all that, academic fees, accommodation, all inclusive. That is basically the Commonwealth Scholarship. So they actually target people who have the tendency of bringing about change within their communities. So usually what I say is the, the, the most important requirements that you need to get into the Commonwealth Scholarship is actually the desire to bring about change. So all you need to do is you need to be passionate about something enough. That is it. So you have to be find solution to problems within your community. It can be in your school, it can be at church, it can be at the mosque, everywhere you find yourself. Any problem you have personally identified, if you are the solution to that problem, then you, you stand a chance of getting into the common scholarship. So the most important thing is you have to communicate your story, your, your, your individual story. Yeah, so that's basically what the common scholarship is about. Thank, Thank you. you very much for that insight. Um, Atul, I think, I mean, you, you, you really even touched on the various types, I mean, and that's a very good one. Uh, from Commonwealth, um, Senor, can we also um, have you uh, give us insights on where exactly the Chevening is about? I mean, we've heard people talk about it over but what at all is the Chevening Scholarship? Yeah, uh, thank you very much, Joshua. So, the, the Chevening Scholarship, uh, in simple terms, is the UK's government uh, scholarship as a part of its um, foreign policy to influence and achieve the FCDO goals. And we know that in foreign policy, countries have their areas of interest and things that they are interested in doing. And so the Chevening Scholarship is that part of the UK government's um, agenda to influence um, international development by uh, sponsoring future leaders uh, from Commonwealth countries to study in the UK with uh, double goals. Number one, to go back to their countries to use the knowledge, skills and networks that they have developed to invest in whatever work that they are doing. But number two, to also um, help strengthen the relationship between the UK and other Commonwealth countries, in, especially in areas that the FCDO uh, considers a priority. 
And I'm bringing these two angles in because it is not just about the UK government's funding your place. It's what is in it for them. And so I'm, I'm sure we'll go into details, but it's just about understanding uh, what value you bring into the scholarship and uh, what value they are getting from, from you. Uh, the minimum requirements is that you have uh, experience of two years of in. You have at least uh, a second class APA, although people with second class that have gotten in when they are very strong candidates, you must be from a Commonwealth country and have completed an undergraduate uh, studies, obviously. But Shivanin is one of those scholarships that do not have um, limited uh, I mean, do not have limitations on people who can apply. It means that if you're 90 years, if you're 70 years, if you're 19 years, as long as you meet the eligibility criteria, there are no um, age limits. It's not also focused on your academic um, excellence necessarily. It's looking at your leadership and influence and skills. That means that the pool of applicants is huge, <laughs> and that is what makes it um, very competitive. So in, in ending, to give an idea of how competitive Shedvenin is, uh, the success rate is between 2 to 3%. Uh, in 2021, when I won the, the scholarship, I was among 1% uh, of Ghanaian applicants and 2% of global applicants. And we had more than 64,000 uh, applicants uh, globally. So that is just uh, a taster. And I'm sure we'll go more into details with uh, subsequent questions as we go along. Wow, 64,000. But, but that was, I think even that was like, as you mentioned, uh, 2021, because last year, from 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 the data that was released, I think they had about seventy thousand plus um, applicants. So it means that I mean the numbers just keeps going on, up and up and up. But then that's like very much great insights. I mean, uh, talk about competition and all that. I think that's something that we would all definitely admit. But I know you've all touched a bit on the requirements and eligibility. Because I know top of head, you would not probably necessarily be able to tell us all the requirements and eligibility. But I would want like, I mean, you to, like, formally share the exact requirements, I mean, the ones that you would remember the most, I mean, which you think that's very critical. Uh, members on this, uh, in this audience right now should know about. I'll start with Senor. I think you already started talking about it, so... Yeah, I mean, just, yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah just, just to give an indication, I, I get lots of people contacting me about uh, these scholarships, and anyone who asks me about eligibility is someone that I feel have not read, and, and so... I mean, I'm giving this because this is one of the platform and whoever has joined this is someone who is interested in gathering more information. Uh, to go straight in, you must be a citizen of a Shivanin eligible country or territory. And that means that um, almost all countries in Africa um, are, are eligible. It's not necessarily only those ones colonized by the British Empire. The majority of places that are not included or are not eligible are citizens of the, UK, uh, of the US who can apply to a different scholarship and also people from some European countries. So you have people from Benin, from Togo, from China, from Mexico, Uruguay, all corners of the world applying for the Shivanin Scholarship. Obviously, that makes uh, the competition tighter. The other requirement is that you were expected to return to your country uh, for a minimum of at least two years uh, uh, when you are done. And this is part of the requirement to achieve the objective of um, human resources coming back to their country to invest in its development rather than actually advancing brain drain where we take away the best and brightest from these countries and then keep them in the West to further develop it at the peril or at the disadvantage of uh, where they're coming from. You must have completed your undergraduate um, degree with uh, second class upper, like I mentioned earlier, and I've also worked for not less than two years. Uh, one other, other uh, requirement is that you must have an unconditional offer uh, by a particular time. And so there's been very unfortunate incidences where you may not be able to get a scholarship. 
or you may not be able to take the, the study if you got the scholarship but do not have university um, admission. So that is one of the requirements. One important thing to mention is if you have ever worked at the British Commission or with Shipping Secretariat or your family has worked there, uh, it becomes more complex because you cannot apply if a family member of yours work within the Shipping Secretariat or the British High Commissioner. If you have been an intern, do your national service or anything, you can apply if it's not a family relationship, but that has to be two years, at least two years after you finish. So that is one thing to, uh, to add to that. Thanks. Um, great, great. I mean, I think what I really got to hear was more of like willingness to return back to your country. I think that can't be overemphasized. And and probably, I mean, that's something that listeners must pay critical attention to. I mean, what I choose to. You can you can tell I've been I've been uh well the what the devil's advocate or something, just trying to highlight that. But I mean, of course, we need to rehash the fact that these are more tilted to who would want to come back to develop their countries. So definitely fundamentally you'd have to be sure in that and that's something i think i need to point out uh but also also take us through i mean what, what are like basic eligibility criteria i mean commonwealth okay so for for commonwealth you need to be first of all you need to be a, a permanently um resident in an eligible commonwealth country and uh obviously you should be available to start your studies depending on the the period in which you're applying for the scholarship and then uh you should also have at least a second class upper or a lower and a relevant postgraduate qualification probably a master's and then uh, i think uh, basically yes you should not have worked or studied in a high income country so an advanced country or a developed country shouldn't have worked or stayed in any of any of the world's high income countries and you should have you shouldn't be able to fund your studies in the uk so definitely you should be able to um, exhibit some le level of financial constraints in order to get into the scholarship. And you should have provided all supporting documentations, right? So references, and uh, I think the other speaker made mention of the unconditional offer. That is also very important. So let me just highlight the difference between an unconditional offer and a conditional offer. So if you say, we say you have an unconditional offer of admission, that means you would have met all that particular investors requirements, English language requirements, fee waivers, you, you would have satisfied all its requirements for admission. That is what constitutes an unconditional offer. But in certain instance, instances, you realize that a particular applicant has admission, but probably wouldn't have satisfied a particular criterion, right? So probably the person has admission, but is yet to prove his, I mean, uh, proficiency in English language, or is yet to pay the application fee waiver. So in that instance, you have a conditional offer. So you would need an unconditional offer in order for you to secure the scholarship. So I think that's basically it. Yeah. Uh, great, great, great. I think I think the insights on even conditional offer and unconditional offer is is very critical. Um, I mean that's definitely like a piece of information that. Um, very much needed uh, because people would see that i mean okay you need to get an offer from a school and they probably think that they get uh, a conditional offer and they are still able to go through but then of course it must become an unconditional offer uh great thanks for the insights on that so now let's let's go into the whole process i mean from from the start of the whole process so now i am eligible 
I, I, I know about all the eligibility criteria. I mean, of course, I settle or I pass all of them. What am I supposed to do next? How am I able to find um, the Commonwealth Scholarship? How am I able to apply? And how is the application process like at all? Okay. So thank you very much for the opportunity. So I would personally focus on the Commonwealth Shared Scholarship because that is what I've been enrolled on at the moment. So for the Common Shared Scholarship, uh, we first need to understand what it is. So the Common Shared Scholarship is basically funded by the UK government in partnership with certain partner universities. So it's actually not all universities in the UK um, who, who actually, um, which actually have partnerships with the Commonwealth Scholarship Commission. So I'm particularly focusing on Commonwealth Shared Scholarship. So the first thing you need to do is you need to go to the Commonwealth Shared Scholarship site and then peruse the list of partner universities. So I'll say again, not every university in the UK is a partner, right, to the Commonwealth Shared Scholarship. So you need to, you can just type Commonwealth Shared Scholarships on Google or any, I mean, search engine that you're using, you'll, you'll just have a, a link that will lead you directly to the site. Then you, you select choosing a university or a course. Then you peruse the list of partner universities. So here's uh, a little insight, some strategies on doing that. So you'd realize that every partner university has its own criteria. What do I mean by its own criteria? Every university has specific courses that they are actually sponsoring for Commonwealth Share Scholarship. So you cannot just apply to any course you want and then hope to be nominated for Commonwealth Share Scholarship. It doesn't work that way. So every university has its own criteria. That is the specific number of courses they are actually sponsoring for that particular year. They are target countries. So every university has its own target country. So you realize that probably for University A, its target country countries um, would highlight maybe countries in West Africa or maybe Asia, yeah, any of the developing countries, right? So it can actually highlight any of these countries. So what that means is, if you don't meet that criteria and then you apply to that university, that means that probably um, you can put in a strong application, write all the essays, do everything you need to do, but then the university cannot nominate you for Commonwealth because for a Commonwealth Share Scholarship, you need to apply to the university and then apply to Commonwealth. So the university, after you have been given an unconditional offer, is going to nominate you to Commonwealth, and then Commonwealth is going to confirm the award. So it's actually a two-way affair. You need to apply to the university, get an unconditional offer, and then hopefully the university nominates you for the award, and then the Commonwealth Scholarship Commission confirms the award. So the key thing to note here is that you need to understand the criteria of that particular university. The criteria in University A could be completely different from the criteria of University B. So that is very important. So that is basically the key strategy about selecting the universities. The second thing is you need to identify the program that you are interested in, right? So Commonwealth is all about sponsoring potential future leaders, right? Who are going to realize uh, or bring about development within their respective communities or countries, right? Exactly. So you should be passionate about an issue, right? A particular problem or something you like to resolve. Now, based on that passion, that is definitely going to help you to know the program you would like to, I mean, um, focus on, right? But the key thing to note is that you need to first identify 
a partner in university that is actually sponsoring that program. Sometimes you might not really get a, a program that is specifically in line with what you want, but then you can actually get a program that is sort of around what you want. So maybe uh, you are interested in, uh, let's say, for instance, you are interested in, um, let's say, international relations. You are interested in international relations, but then you realize that it's just like a hypothetical situation. You realize that most of the universities are not offering international relations. But probably there is a particular university that is offering international development. So then international development can be a stepping stone into your international relations. So in, in a situation like that, you can actually apply to or apply for international relations in that particular university. So the key things to notice the university, the target countries, and the specific programs they are offering. And then there's another key point to note. That is the number of prospective applicants that particular university is willing to sponsor. So there are some universities that uh, sponsor probably two students, some sponsor three, some sponsor five. So if you are choosing a partner university to apply to, you need to check the number of prospective applicants the university is willing to sponsor for Commonwealth Share Scholarship. Because if an university is sponsoring only two students, then your chances are really slim of getting in. I'm not saying you cannot get in there, but then your chances would be relatively slimmer than applying to an university that hopes to sponsor maybe five students. So what uh, I usually tell people is, when you are choosing, you can actually um, choose, I mean, you can apply to several universities, right? Yes, so what I say is, focus on the prospective number of applicants that university wants to target, right? So the program, you, 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 you take that one, then you check the target countries, then now you focus on a specific number of applicants that university intends on sponsoring. So I think for my university uh, on the website, uh, they, they wanted to sponsor only two students, two students. So I actually applied to, I think about 10 universities. Yes. So the strategy I used was I applied to um, a really, really like world-class university. So probably Oxford or Cambridge. Then you come down a bit and choose one that is a bit moderate. I, I don't want to mention specific names, right? And then you choose one that is relatively like not so popular so that at least you have a chance of getting in there. Because if you choose only like probably Russell Group universities like Oxford, you choose Oxford, you choose Cambridge, you choose the University of Birmingham, like the acceptance rate in these universities are very low. So you have to be very strategic about the partner universities. Choose a really high one, then come to a, um, one that is relatively moderate and one that is relatively lower than the two. That way you get uh, a higher chance of securing um, admission and the scholarship. So that is it with selecting the course, the universities and everything. So what I tell people is, you don't necessarily need to, I mean, secure admission before you start the Commonwealth application. But then what you can do is, if uh, by the time you're applying for Commonwealth scholarship, you don't already have admission or you haven't applied to any university, you can apply to the university for that particular course or as many universities as you want, right? You can apply to all of them. Then whilst you are waiting for a response from the universities, you start applying for the Commonwealth Share Scholarship on the Commonwealth website. Yes, so that is it with applying for the programs and everything. And then we come to the teams. So the first thing you need to understand is that the Commonwealth Scholarship Commission has its own development teams. So the Commonwealth Scholarship Commission, right, 
actually fund development-oriented programs. So it's not they are, they are focused on development, right? That that is their focus. Development programs. So they have six teams. So the first one is science and technology for the development. The second one is strengthening health systems and capacity. The third one is promoting global prosperity. The fourth one is strengthening global peace, security, and governance. The fifth one is strengthening resilience and response to crisis. And the last one is access, inclusion, and opportunity. So how relevant are these six development teams? So whatever program uh, you apply to, in whatever university you decide to apply to, that program should be in line with at least one of these six Commonwealth development teams. And concurrently, it should also be in line with a particular or particular sustainable development goals. So you cannot just choose any program and then apply for Commonwealth scholarship. You need to make sure that that program is in line with one of these six development teams. So let me use a hypothetical situation. So let's say uh, somebody has applied to maybe University of Cam Cambridge for maybe Master of Science in Inclusive Development, right? Great. So now we know that inclusive development is all about creating equal opportunity, right? For everyone, persons with disabilities and all that. Great point. So now the first thing you need to do is you need to go through these six development teams, which of them is actually in line with Master of Science in Inclusive Development. So you'd realize that it would be the last one, access, inclusion, and opportunity. So that means you have passed the, the team stage, then go to the sustainable development goal stage. So now that you know the team you are focusing on, the next thing is, which of the sustainable development goals are you going to focus on? That's also very important. So if you are looking at inclusive development, then you know that clearly your first sustainable development goal to focus on would be goal 10. That is what? Reduced inequalities. Because you applied for what? MSE, inclusive development, which is in line with what? Access, inclusion, and opportunity. That's the thing. So now you need to link that to particular sustainable development goals. And with this, as far as this hypothetical example is concerned, your first sustainable development goal should be what? Reduced inequalities. And then you can actually, actually chip in other um, sustainable development goals because inclusive development is actually broad. We have health, we have education, we have employment, social protection, and a number of branches under inclusive development. So if you are actually highlighting all these branches, then the first goal would be reducing inequalities. Another one could be clean water and sanitation. Uh, gender equality comes in, quality education, good health and well-being, decent work and economic growth. And then probably the last one, that is partnerships for their goals. I believe that whatever program you are applying to or whatever team you are focusing on, you cannot forgo the last thing. Because whatever impact you want to make in your country, you are going to require partnerships. You are going to require professional collaborations in order to realize that particular goal. So definitely goal 17 comes in, partnerships for the goal. So that is basically, that's with the teams and then the sustainable development goals. So now we come Sorry. to the yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah. So I don't know if I'm talking too much, but oh no, I mean th those are very great insights, and I mean I was going to ask you for them anyway. So oh okay, okay, okay. So now we have uh, we have a number of essays, and I think probably that is the crucial part most people want to hear about the new tips on developing the essays and everything. So I might not be able to actually explain how to write the essays in order. 
but I'll highlight all of them. So one of the essays is actually objectives, your objectives, right, during the award. So now, how do you go about this essay? They are asking you the, your objectives, right? The objectives that you would have when you actually secure the... No, let me start it. I think this is this should be, I think, the fourth essay. So I'm actually... I should find the first, the very first one so that it would be easier to understand. So... Uh, okay, okay. okay, so let me start with expectations about changes in development. No, this is after your study. Sorry about that. Uh, I, I don't really have them in order. So I'm trying to arrange them in order. Okay. So I think the first one is objective during the award. Yes. So this essay actually highlights your your objectives, right? After you have, when you see, when you get a scholarship, right? What are some of the things that you'd want to achieve, right? So this is where you have to highlight um, the skills that you'd want to acquire, right? So the key thing is you need to go to the university's website. So if probably you apply to a Master of Science in International Development at say maybe University of Birmingham, you have to go to um, the courses website. So MSc International Development at Cambridge University, you Google that, you would find a, a page dedicated to that course. You have to go to the models. What are the various models that the course is going to highlight? So maybe it's going to highlight gender equality, maybe it's going to highlight inclusive development, maybe public sector reform. So you need to go there and have a fair idea about all those models, maybe research methodology in international development. Uh -huh. So that when you are writing this particular essay, objectives during the award, you can actually highlight those specific models. So maybe uh, this, this could be a flimsy, uh, a flimsy example. So maybe in the course of pursuing my master's in international development at the University of, or at University of Cambridge, I intend on acquiring probably uh, a wide range of skill sets, including research skills in international development, critical analysis, uh, let's say conflict management, um, foreign aid. So you see how specific, I, I'm actually being specific. So if somebody actually goes to their website, they will find that these are actually models. It actually tells CSE that, I mean, you, you are really prepared. I mean, you, you already know the models you are going to read, even though you have not secured the scholarship. So these are very important. And then you can also talk about some practical skills, maybe uh, research skills or professional skills, like maybe you intend on actually working with um, particular NGOs. So you have to be specific. You have to be very, mention names, mention names, maybe, uh, maybe Inclusive Development UK, maybe a National Council for Persons, you have to be very specific so that they know that these institutions actually exist. You have to be very specific. Uh, yeah, so basically, and then you have to actually, you have to divide them into short term, medium term, and then long term, right? So probably, uh, probably in the short term, you want to acquire those skills and then the, like the academic skills in line with your modules. In the medium term, probably you are looking at practical skills, maybe uh, professional skills when you actually get the opportunity to intern with various organizations. And then probably uh, in the long term, you could say that um, after you have gained those professional skills, the knowledge, the research skills, maybe you'd want to maybe um, establish an NGO when you come back to your country, or maybe when you are still in the UK, maybe you like to volunteer with particular um, organizations, right? So these are just 
plenty examples. Um, I want you to have a general overview on how to write that particular essay. That is objective during the award essay. So that is one of the essays. And then there are no particular order, right? And I think the another one is expectations about changes in development after your study. So now you have won the scholarship. You have completed your study in the UK. What do you envision, right? What changes do you envision in your home country after you have actually completed your program? What, what do you want to do in your home country after you have completed your program? So maybe you can actually, that one you can break it into short-term, I think short-term goals, because this is basically looking at immediately after you are done with your award, your scholarship. You are done, you've left the UK, you are back in your home country, right? So within that first three months, what do you want to do? In that, within that first three months after your scholarship, you have to tell them exactly what you want to do. And you have to tell them how you are going to do it. So maybe you could say that uh, maybe within the first three months after graduation, I'll probably focus on volunteering with various um, organizations and partaking in workshops and conferences to, to probably build appropriate networks and also to develop maybe professional capacity. Do you understand? So this is specific and it is actually feasible because you can't tell me that after three years of completing your scholarship, within three months, no, within three months of graduating, you become the UN Secretary General. It's, it's not feasible. <laughs> That's not possible. They want something that is achievable, something that is, that, that can actually work in practice. So within the first three months, they want you to tell them what exactly you are going to do. So if you tell them that, okay, within the first three months, when you come back to Ghana, what you're basically going to do is, uh, you probably volunteer with organizations in your country that are in line with your program. Why, why would it be so crucial to volunteer with these organizations? Because you want to apply your knowledge, what you have learned in school, the skills you have actually developed in the UK, you want to apply those skills, right? Second, you want to what, build networks. Exactly. You can also tell them that probably you are going to organize workshops, right? And you're also going to attend workshops also to broaden your professional network and also to um, further um, sharpen your skills in that particular profession. That is feasible within the first three months. If you tell them that's what you are going to do, that is feasible. So that is basically um, a general overview of that essay. And then uh, there's, I think there's another one on, uh, yeah. How to how you intend to apply your skills, right? No, do you know this one is a detailed plan of study. So this one, you need to tell them why you chose that particular university, right? Your detailed plan of study. So okay, fine. There are several universities in the UK. Why why did you choose University of Cambridge? Why did you why didn't you choose Oxford? You can't tell them that oh I chose University of Cambridge because. That is a school I, uh, that actually offered me admission. You can't tell them that. You have to be specific. So, and you have to quote credible sources. So you can tell them that probably according to the Times Higher Education's recent rankings, right? United Kingdom's universities are highly ranked among the top 10 universities worldwide. So the first thing is you are telling them that the reason I didn't go to the US, the reason I didn't go to Canada, the reason I came to the UK is because Times Higher Education has proven recently that UK universities are highly ranked among the top 10. So you are, you are justifying why you want to study in the UK before you narrow it down to that particular university. So maybe for the particular university, and with that data, you cannot lie. 
So you need to check the university's website. You find it there. There are research, I mean, credentials, their rankings and everything. Everything is on the university's website. So all you need to do is just check it, right? Just check it. So uh, probably you could say, this is just a flimsy example. So with the University of uh, Cambridge, considered as um, one of the leading universities in the UK, right? Then you talk about the program. Because you see, we have university rankings and we have program rankings. So maybe uh, the university could be a really good university, maybe University of Oxford, but probably for the program that you want to read at University of Oxford, the rankings might not be so good, but it's still University of Oxford. <laughs> yes, so you need to justify all these things. So you could see that probably uh, specifically with the University of Cambridge, considered as one of the leading universities in the UK, the MSc International Development Program provides a rare specialty in international development, probably with emphasis on gender equality, right? So you can tell them that maybe uh, upon your enrollment into the program, you want to develop your expertise. And here again, you have to highlight the specific models that program will entail. So go to the, the program's website, check all the modules, first semester, second semester, and quote them here exactly as they are, development practice, uh, research methods, just state a few of them, right? And then one other thing you need to um, highlight when you're writing the essays uh, is you have to ha use credible source. I've said that already, but maybe you want to raise an argument. Now you've told them why you want to study in the UK, right? We are talking about the detailed plan of study essay. You've told them why you want to study in the UK. You have told them why you applied to that particular university. You have justified why you chose that particular program. Now you have to tell them what problem did you identify that actually influenced you to apply to that particular program in that particular university in the UK? I don't know if I'm confusing you, but I hope I'm not. Yes. So now in talking about the problem, you have to use credible sources, right? So I'm going to use uh, my example because I'm, I'm, I'm actually focusing on inclusive development. So I can actually resonate with that. So I'm going to use that as an example. So let's say uh, you want to talk about um, inclusive development in Africa or in Ghana, right? So you can tell them that, okay, uh, you, you can tell them, you can actually use both strategies. You can use your own experiences and then you buttress that with credible sources. So I can tell them that, okay, how did I know that in Ghana, there's a deficiency in inclusive development? So I can tell them that, okay, so for my undergrad, I studied uh, disability and rehab and then uh, I was a TA. So as a TA, in terms of research, actually uh, I have a number of publications within the field of inclusive development. I also have um, professional expertise in terms of internships, volunteering, and some level of work experience. Then you juxtapose that with the knowledge you acquired when you were what in school. Now, after you have told them all, they can tell them that based on these experience, that is your knowledge, the work experience, the research experience, you have realized that in Ghana, inclusive development is a problem. Now you have to buttress that experience or those experiences with credible sources. Then you can say that this, my experiences actually resonates with the recent statistics, right? Revealed by the Global Disability Summit, which was organized in 2022. So you know the Global Disability Summit was organized by the Norwegian government in collaboration with the Ghanaian government. I think our president um, was there, right? I think it was an online event. Yes. So. The Global Disability Summit was actually a program where all the countries had to share their level of progress in terms of inclusive development. So on that day, 
there were a lot of statistics, research. So if, if they are quoting statistics provided by the Global Disability Summit, it is a credible source. So we all know plagiarism and everything, right? You have to be very careful. You have to paraphrase and make sure that what you are seeing has actually been cited in literature. You can't guess. You cannot say whatever you want. Uh -huh, no. You have to make sure that what you are seeing is credible. And you have to cite appropriately. You have to in include the reference list. Very important. Because it tells them that you know what you are talking about. You have done your research. You have the work experience. You have research experience. You have the knowledge. And apart from that, you, have, you, you are also well abreast with current development in terms of research and literature. So when you are telling them that there is a problem in that dimension, you know exactly what you are talking about. So you tell them the investee, you justify the cause and all that. Then you justify the particular problem. Then apart from that, you also need to highlight the particular research you would focus on when you come to the investee. You have to be very specific. So you tell them that, okay, so let me use a flimsy example. You can tell them that um, after you've talked, about, you've justified the problem. So so let me say this, after you justify the problem, right, by using your personal experiences, your research experience, work experience, and by actually uh, buttressing it with credible research sources, then you link it to why you, you how that influenced you to choose that particular pro uh, program. So you tell them, okay, now this is what actually influenced you to read MSc International Development at the University of Cambridge. So you have justified the university, justified the program, you have, you have clearly um, stated the problem. You have communicated why you actually wanted, you, you want to read that program, right? Very good. Now, after that, one other way, uh, one other thing you have to include is uh, the particular research you like to conduct. Because I mean, for, for this particular example, we are talking about a master of science. So it is not a thought program. It is a research-based master's program. So definitely, you are going to conduct a research. So now you could say that the, uh, um, you are particularly interested in research areas focusing on probably uh, economic policies on the lives of maybe uh, vulnerable groups in the African continent, right? Then you can, you can follow up by saying something like, uh, as a result, uh, you are intrigued by the research works of a specific lecturer in that department of the program you want to read. So you want to tell Commonwealth that you know why you want to study in the UK. You know why you chose that program because there's a problem and you have justified it. Apart from that, you even know you, you even have a research proposal of your final year um, dissertation you are going to do when you get there. You, you have a proposal and you even know a lecturer in the university who is interested in that area. So yeah, 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 yeah. Literally forcing someone to choose you. Yes, because I mean, if you already know a lecturer in the university who is focusing on that area, that means this lecturer will be willing to even help you. Very important. So you could say that maybe you are particularly intrigued by the research works of a particular lecturer whose research interest highlights particular issues. Then you go ahead to highlight specific works published by that, that lecturer. So you are telling them that, okay, your research focuses on economic policies for vulnerable groups in Africa. Very good, you've done well. And because of that, you are interested in the research works of lecturer ABCD because that is what he's been doing. How did you know that? You have perused his works titled Economic Development in Libya, one. Economic Development in Ghana, two. Economic Development for Women in uh, Benin, three. So they know that, okay, this guy 
has actually read the works, right? And after you can conclude by saying that because of all this, you are convinced that your research interests are aligned with that of that particular lecturer. And that is what has influenced your overall decision to choose that particular program in that particular university. You have justified why they need to give you a scholarship to study at the University of Cambridge. So that is the duty plan of study. That's it for that. That's that one. There is another one. Um, so then, objective during the award, how you intend to apply a uh, detailed plan of study. Yes. And then uh, there is another essay on how you intend to apply your skills and qualification, right? When you return to your home country. So we've done the first one. That one was the short term. Within the first three months, Within the first three months, but for this particular essay, you are looking at a general overview of what you want to do. Just a general idea. Maybe when you are um, after you are done uh, with uh, your scholarship and you return to your country, within the the, the next ten, within ten years, maybe you want to do this, do this, work with this particular organization because this particular. Okay, let me use my let me use a, a flimsy example. So let's see. MSc International Development, right? So you tell them that when you are actually done, you uh, in the you tell them you have to link a particular model, right? You have to link a particular model in your program to what you are going to do. How you are going to apply the skills you would acquire in that model to what you are going to do in your country. So let's say for the MSc International Program at University of uh, Cambridge, right? So one of the models uh, was probably NGO development. So that is actually a model you are going to be taught when you when you actually gain a scholarship. So you can tell them that in the course of pursuing your master's at University of Cambridge, you hope to acquire a wide range of professional expertise, including maybe uh, maybe poverty and policy, as well as formation of what national governmental organizations. Right? There are lots of them, but I'm going to highlight a few. Then you come forward and tell them that specifically relating to the formation of NGOs. You envision yourself use, utilizing this expertise in terms of what um, establishing an NGO that will focus on developing international uh, development initiatives, right, in your home country, in line with what um, probably uh, in collaboration with the work of maybe United Nations Development Program in Ghana, the UNDP. So you are telling them that okay. Um, so the essay is what how you intend to apply your skills and qualification when you return home. So you all you have to do is highlight a particular model you would be taught when you actually arrive in the UK and you are pursuing your program, and tell them how specifically that model is going to help you to achieve some of your objectives in your home country when you return. So like what I just said, uh, NGO formation. So you tell them that okay, one of the models is NGO formation, and you envision that. This model is going to help you because when you come back to Ghana, as part of your plans, maybe in the next five years, you hope to establish an NGO. So that model, the skill you are going to acquire in that model is going to help you with practical ways of actually effectively establishing your NGO. And you also tell them exactly what the NGO is going to do. You just don't tell them that you are going to establish an NGO. What would the NGO do? You can tell them maybe the NGO is going to collaborate with uh, the United Nations Development Program in Ghana. Or maybe if your program is health related, maybe the Ghana Health Service or maybe the Ghana Medical Association. Be specific. You have to mention specific names. So that's it for that essay. And then uh, let me briefly touch on 
research outline, there is there's a particular essay where you have to focus on a short research outline for your proposed study. So this is a proposal. This is basically a proposal because I don't know if you remember when you were talking about your detailed plan of study, you told them that you actually have a specific research area you want to focus on. You even went ahead to mention a lecturer in the university who is interested in that program. And you concluded by saying that that was why you actually chose that university. Now they want you to explain further. That research you talked about, what exactly does it entail? It's not really a full research proposal because I think uh, you, you have to write everything within 125 words. Yeah, one more thing is there are word limits. So you cannot write 500 words or 1,000 words. Every specific essay has word limits to tailor all your ideas in line with that particular essay's word limits. So I think this essay, I think the word limit is, I think, 125 words. So you have to actually trim the proposal into exactly 125 words. You cannot go beyond 125 words. So yeah. So uh, for this particular um, essay, that is short research outline for proposed study. It's basically the proposal of the study. So you know that the proposal of the study, uh, when you're writing a research proposal, you basically need the background, the background. So this one just, uh, you can use the first two lines to give a background, a background, what's the general problem, right? They come to, maybe you confuse the background and the problem statement. Then you highlight a little about methodology, right? Then basically you can conclude and that is it. You also have to include maybe um, the study population, right? The study population, uh, you have to include a particular location, right? A particular location. And then um, the variable you want to measure in your research. So what I'm trying to say is, this is basically a summarized research proposal. The short research outline for a proposed study. That is what it is, a short research proposal. And then uh, I think we are left with short-term career goals. Uh, and then I think long-term career goals. We have, okay, let me focus on the long-term career goals. So the long-term career goals, what they want to know is that in the long term, right, in the long term, maybe by 2050, by 2060, what do you want to see? What, what impact would you have made by then? So that is a long term, like 50 years, like 30 years, 40 years. They want you to, these people are very specific. They don't want general information. They want you to specifically and meticulously tell them how you are going to implement your vision. So this is one of the S's, long-term career plan. You have to tell them how in the long term, right? How uh, in the long term, what is, what, what, what is your objective? What are your objectives in the long term for your home country as far as your program is concerned? So maybe you can tell them that um, uh, probably by 2050, right? You, you envision um, a, global, a global community where um, I think everyone will have access to opportunities, right? Uh -huh. And you tell them how exactly you are going to make this workable, right? So maybe you can tell them that uh, this will be achieved uh, by the, 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 the academic um, experience or the academic capacity you would have developed um, during your stay at your particular university, your working experience, professional capacity, research experience and everything. All these things are collectively going to help you to achieve your long-term goal. So I think this one too, it has minimum 250 words. So this is just a general overview of how to write the essays. And then there is, there is one on personal statement. This is very important. I think that one is, is it 500 words? I don't remember, but there are, I think that one is relatively 
very lengthy compared to the other essays. So this is personal statement. So this one is very important. They want you to link your personal um, objectives in life, your passions in life. They want you to connect that with your educational research and what academic goals. That's your personal statement. That is what the personal statement is. So you have to tell them who you are. Who are you? What is your story? So don't go and tell them someone's story. Tell them your story, a compelling story. What is your unique story? What has happened to you? What are the experiences you've encountered in life? Maybe you can tell them that, oh, maybe, let me, let me find a flimsy example. Maybe, uh, this is just an example, right? Maybe you applied for a program in maybe MSc International Politics and International Law, right? So you can tell them that, uh, um, like, you personally, you can tell them maybe personally, yeah, you hate injustice. This is just a flimsy example. Yeah, you're someone who doesn't actually condone in injustice, right? When something is not right, you don't feel comfortable to allow that thing to continue to happen. And uh, since childhood, how you have been. And that is what actually influenced you to read general arts in SHS. So you see how I'm connecting your passions when you were a child to why you read that program in SHS and eventually why you ended up reading political studies at Kenya University. And how that led you to um, intern with certain organizations and all that. And how that even influenced your final year thesis, your decision on selecting a topic for your final year. You thought, oh, because of that, for my final year thesis, I even focused on electioneering processes in Ghana, in the Fourth Republic of Ghana. So I telling them that you hate injustice, you hate cheating and all that. So you, you see how I'm connecting from when you were a child to how that influenced your decision to be in the SHS for that particular program, how you eventually ended up in KMS reading that particular program, and how that same passion influenced your decision to end up choosing a particular research topic. Then you link it to your career goals, right? Your career goals and um, internships, internships you have with particular organizations. And the schools don't just tell them about internships. When you were an, when you were an intern in that particular organization, what were some of the skills you acquired? Don't tell them that, oh, I mean, when I was in first year, I was an intern at the National Petroleum Authority. When you are at the National Petroleum Authority, what were the specific skills you acquired? Impact you do make when you are at the National Petroleum Authority. Over here, you can also highlight volunteering experiences, leadership experiences. And let me highlight this. There's actually a particular essay for leadership experience, but this is your personal statement. So you have to capture some significant, uh, maybe a minimum amount of leadership, volunteering, there should be a bit of everything, right? But there's a particular essay for specifically leadership and volunteering experiences. But for this particular essay, leadership experience, you don't need to be, you don't need to have been the SRC president or uh, president of your college or, um, like those things are good, right? Those things are good, but most people think that, oh, I, I mean, I wasn't even a student leader when I was in school, so how will I write this essay? No. Leadership is not only restricted to that. Leadership, all those things constitute leadership. But then probably you would have made an impact in your community, right? Maybe um, maybe um, there, there was a particular situation. I, I'm, I'm trying to find out a particular example. So let's see, let me use inclusive development because that's what I can resonate with. So let's use the 3% district common fund. So you can tell them that maybe when you're in second year, you were an intern at maybe the National Council for Persons with Disability. And then there was this particular woman uh, who was using a wheelchair who came there with a complaint of 
she never having access to the three percent district common fund and uh since i mean the office couldn't do anything about it you you had personal connections with the mc so you called the mc and because of your connection with the mc the woman eventually had access to a three percent district common fund that's why there is a leader that's impact so you can write that you can write that in your personal statements that is what they want people who have the potential to bring about change so fine you are not the SRC president you are not a student leader but i'm pretty sure you you've made an impact in the life of someone you have changed something in your community you've made an impact in, in several ways so highlight all those things so that's basically the personal statement let me highlight the last one the volunteering and leadership experience so th that one is basically like the, what i did about but that one would be more in details so uh that is i think 500 words you have i think minimum 500 words so this one maybe when you're maybe you're a course rep right so let me highlight this if you highlight any rule in this essay don't just highlight the, the rule tell them the exact don't tell them that oh uh, when i was in first year i was the course rep and as course rep i was the mouthpiece between my class and the lectures we all know that that is the function that is the role of a course rep so don't tell them that when you were the course rep what exactly did you do what impact did you make as the course rep so you can tell them that okay when i was the course rep um that was actually when uh, covid 19 there was a hike of covid 19 in ghana and actually there were no first aid boxes in in my class so i i i lobbied through the office of the hod and i got a first aid box on my class and that is what actually helped in mitigating the spread of covid 19 in my class my department the college and the university at large that is something specific you know oh when you're the coach of this is what you did so don't talk about functions and rules talk about impact so yeah that's basically it and then volunteering maybe you had your um volunteered with a particular organization you help them to achieve their goals bring all that in yeah so basically that's it so that's it for the essays so we've talked about con yes and then the requirements, right? Uh, let me highlight this. When you're applying for Commonwealth, the requirements for the university and the requirements of Commonwealth are different. There are two different things. So the university will ask you for reference letters. That is university specific. Commonwealth also has, will also ask you for separate reference letters. So don't say that you submitted reference letters to the university. So automatically, Commonwealth also has its, no, 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 it doesn't work that way. You apply to the university separately and you apply to Commonwealth separately. So one of them is, uh, so we talked about conditional offer and unconditional offer. Based on my experience, there are some of the investors, when you want to apply, they will ask you for an application fee. I actually encountered um, situations like that. But what I've learned is that everything can be negotiated. Maybe they tell you that, oh, you need to pay an application fee. You can tell them that, see, uh, I really want to stay in your university because it's one of the best investors. And, since childhood, I mean, I'm a Ghanaian and I mean, the UK colonized Ghana. So I've always been a fan of the UK. And yeah, I forgot this thing. Don't only talk about academic um, objectives. Talk about social. Tell them, that, oh, I'm a Chelsea fan. I've always been a Chelsea fan. So that is why I want to study at Source University of London, because it is at the heart of London. And that way, apart from the academic experience I'm going to get, I get to watch football matches at Stamford Bridge. So that tells them that this is someone who is actually willing to engross him or herself in our culture so that one will give you an, an edge you can talk about recreational activities maybe, maybe if there's a zoo around talk about the zoo maybe their culture um your desire to learn the uk culture highlight all those things don't only talk about research and academic and profit don't talk about only those things so that's basically it so the fee waiver you can actually 
write an application fee waiver, waiver request via email. So write to the investor, tell them that fine, you want to stay in their investor, but then actually because of the exchange rates uh, and then the effect of the COVID-19, your country is really um, experiencing dire economic situations. So because of that, it is really the end, and you just completed university. Yeah, you are even here to work. You completed your national service a few months ago. You are not even working. So you cannot really um, get that money for the application fee. So you'd like to request that if it can be waived or if they can do something. I, I wrote like three universities and the application fee was waived. So everything can be negotiated. Remember that everything can be negotiated. And we have English proficiency. I never wrote IELTS or any of those exams. So I think one of the universities, was the University of Cambridge? They were like, yeah, we need you to write IELTS. So I wrote to them. I said, see, I'm a Ghanaian, right? And I know that English is not my, my fundamental language. But I'm a Ghanaian, I've schooled in language. English is our official language. And I've been in Ghana in school for, I think, uh, 23 years. And English has been the mode of examination and teaching. All my exams have been written in English. Apart from that, I, I went to take an English language proficiency certificate from the English department at K University because I attended K University. Then I uploaded a copy. I told them, I see, this is a copy of it. This is K University, one of the best universities of uh, one of the best universities in Africa. And K University is telling you, University of Cambridge, that this guy can speak English because he had this class when uh, he was a student. Communication skills, he had this, he had this, he had that. So we can confirm that this guy will be able to meet the English language requirements in your university and in the UK. Then you can add that. On top of that, you actually enrolled. Some of the universities accept WASI results. WASI. So I think some, I think University of Portsmouth, uh, I think Sheffield University. There are a number of you. You can search, you can Google, you'll find them, right? Some of them accept WASI in place of the IELTS and those examinations. So you can just tell them, I see, I've written WASI. Go and buy the WASI result checker. Take a picture of it, email it to them, let them check for you, give them your index number, let them check. Tell them, see, I wrote WASI. I, I had, um, I think the, 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 the list you can actually have is, I think, C, is it C5? C5 or C6. So between A1 and then C6. So maybe you wrote what you had A1 in English. You tell them, I see, I wrote what you, what's African certificate exam? I, I wrote a senior secondary certificate examination. I wrote it and I had A1. You understand that? So I can speak English. You tell them, I have English certificate, yes. And I think I had like four universities waiving the English language. So I had unconditional offers in all those four universities. So imagine if I hadn't negotiated, I just said, oh, that should bring IELTS. I don't have IELTS. So I have to give up. Because usually, maybe, that you for IELTS you have to register, you have to go for classes. So when you check the duration, you realize that by the time you'll be done, the application portal will be over. So yeah, everything can be negotiated. And then yeah, yeah, the God factor. What I want you to tell what I want to tell you is that it's not at the end of the day, it's not about the essay, it's not about the references, it's not about all those things. You can write all those things and yet you not get a scholarship. I know maybe you have your own you are a Buddhist, a Hindu, me I'm a Christian. So whatever God you worship, uh, Greater you believe in. Make sure you, you pray to that person. Yeah, Christians, when I told you pray to God. God has said, uh, Jeremiah 29, verse 11, right? He has good plans for you. God has good plans for everyone. So do what is humanly possible and leave the supernatural to God. And then uh, there is this quote by Barack Obama. He said this He said, Change will not come if we wait for somebody else or some other time. We are the ones we've been waiting for, we are the change that we seek. So you are probably thinking, oh, Ghana is in economic shambles. It's the end of the world. And you are expecting a Kwame Nkrumah reincarnate to come back to life and come and change Ghana's fortunes. No. 
what if you are actually person Ghana has been waiting for all these years? Maybe you are the one we are actually waiting for. So how do you do a common? What is actually an opportunity for you to bring change within your community? So I'll end with um, Charles Dickens' Tale of Two Cities, right? He said, it was the best of times, yet at the same time, it was also the worst of times. It was the age of wisdom, but it was also the age of foolishness, the epoch of belief. It was also the epoch of incredulity. It was the season of light, but yet it was also the season of darkness. It was the spring of hope, yet concurrently, it was also the winter of despair. But this is how he he said, despite all these things, actually ambitioned a beautiful city, right? And a beautiful people rising from this abyss. And I feel we can all resonate with this. Because right now, Ghana is going through all these uh, employment issues and everything. But Charles Dickens is reminding you that he actually envisioned what? In the midst of all these challenges, there is a beautiful city, right? And he actually envisioned a beautiful community of people rising from the abyss. So thank you very much. I hope I've been able to uh, highlight your concerns. Definitely, right? definitely, yeah. definitely. Um, Atul, I mean, you, you really took it like throughout the process. I didn't even need to ask so much of the questions. I mean, of course, um, once we are ready, we'll get like um, listeners to ask questions. But I would want, I would want now to shift to, um, I mean, for Stephen to give us um, insight onto Shevin. And I mean, that was very detailed on uh, the Commonwealth Scholarship. Stephen, I mean, you can, you can take us now. All right. Uh, thanks, Joshua. Like I said earlier, uh, my network hasn't been in the best of form because I'm in a rural area, but I've, I've tried to walk to the roadside where hopefully it should be, it should be better. So pardon if, me if you hear some <laughs> cars passing by. Uh, um, I think, yeah, uh, a lot has been, has been said um, by Dennis, so that is uh, quite impressive and very comprehensive. Thanks for taking us through that. And there isn't enough time, so I'll keep it brief. And I have to emphasize that uh, you wouldn't be able to uh, rely on, on this space alone to be able to put up a good ship in an application. It takes weeks and weeks of research, sweat, uh, reviewing your work. And so uh, you need to do uh, a lot of that work. Uh, and dumping into it, the application process has started for Shivenin and would be open until the 7th of October. So I'll run you through the process quickly. The first part of this is for you to create um, a, a login detail, a portal, then you put in all your bio data, your education, and then you write the four essays. The most important thing right now for Shivenin is to be able to finish the four essays that I would walk you through shortly. And if you finish that, you would also need to rank the three universities that you want to choose in order of preference. Now, the Chevenet Scholarship allows you to choose any university in the UK and read any course, uh, although there are preferences from other courses, as long as you're able to justify why you're choosing a particular course and link it to different goals on the UK government's priorities, uh, no course is bad. The only exception is that when you are doing an MBA, there is a cap, as in there is how much they are able to pay for uh, for NBA courses. So you are allowed to select three courses. It could be from the same university or similar courses from different universities. And then you need to uh, submit that application by uh, the 7th of November. From there, uh, a committee would read through and then shortlist applicants. Uh, it, it previously used to be long listing and short listing, uh, which was uh, a traumatic experience. Uh, but now they do 
simply send uh, emails to those who couldn't make it after the eligibility criteria, then they do shortlist for interviews uh, and they also send a second round of uh, rejection emails to those who do not make it. So it's pretty straightforward. And if you apply for Shebenen now, by March of next year, you would know whether you are moving forward or not. Uh, because in February, they would announce the first round of rejections. And then by uh, March, they would announce those who have been shortlisted. And then the program actually starts in September and the final scholarship award comes uh, between April thereabouts. So that is a shipping application process. In terms of uh, the essays, the which I'd run through very quickly and then I'll leave it there so we delve into it more when it comes to questions, you are allowed 500 words per essay and you'll be writing four essays. The four essays bothers on your leadership and influencing skills, your networking skills, your um, study, why you want to study in the UK, where you justify the courses and how it relates to your previous experience. And the last essay is on your career plan. I think Dennis did go into details on some of uh, this bit because there are some similarities between the Chevening Scholarship and the Commonwealth Scholarship, especially that they are all uh, created around the six development themes that is, um, is shared. So, um, I, like I said earlier, I think uh, this space would not be enough to spell out all the tricks and details on each of the scholarship essays, but you need to put your best foot forward and give your best examples. That should be very compelling and tell um, a good story. And there are so many resources that you, you can access. And if you go to YouTube right now, for example, and you type Shivanin essays, I, I bet you'll find more than 5 million responses. Uh, or even, yeah, so if you go to uh, the website, the Shivanin frequently asked questions, you find lots of information, including the reports of the reading these who tell you what they found great about the essays, what wasn't going well, what could be improved. So they write a report and they, they comment on essays on how to improve it. Now, when you check, if, if you are listening from Ghana, we have the Shivanin Alumni Ghana Facebook page, and every single year, people who have been selected for the Shivanin Scholarship run sections that are recorded and left on that Facebook page where they pick all the four essays and tell you into details how to write them. So this started somewhere in 20. Uh, 29. What this means is when you pick Shivanin scholarship essay on leadership, the 2019 cohort recorded a full section on how to write that essay. The 2020 cohort recorded that 2021 cohort, I was part of that recording, 2022 is recording, and as it stands, the 2023 cohort is about to respond. So even on a single Shivanin scholarship, you would find between three to four different video recordings on that fake book page getting you into the details of how to write that essay you find amazing resources on youtube as well so i think that it may not be the best time to get into the details of how to write them you should make a lot of research and use the resources available and i'd want to leave time for us to be able to answer some questions before we sign out uh, but the last thing i'd want to say is aside using these resources you should reach out to shivanin alumni uh, that are in your circle on linkedin and other places to get as much advice from them as possible targeted advice based on your essay review your essay and they should be done in time thank you um thank you very much um senior um i understand you 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 want us to save a lot of time but i mean i would just want you to touch on I mean the essays. I mean, of course, the four essays. Which, like, which one of them are we writing? And also, I mean, maybe kind of just some kind of um, general overview about maybe those essays. And also, like, I think you already touched on the schools, but I just wanted to touch on the essays and which kind of like 
essays are we looking at? And are there like maybe some kind of is there a general formula? I mean, you would want to just share across, I mean, in the few minutes that you want to speak. All right, sure. Uh, thanks for that, Jesha. So I'm happy to get into the essays. Like you said, you'll be writing for essays. The first essay is the leadership and influence essay. And each of the essays has more like a prompt or a preamble that you're responding. Um, so, for example, the first essay says that. The first essay says Shivinin is looking for individuals who will be future leaders or influencers in their home country. That is the kind of people Shivinin is looking for. Explain how you meet the requirements using clear examples of your own leadership and influencer skills to support your answer. Now, when approaching a question like this, the first thing I usually do is what uh, people call question analysis, trying to understand what is being asked, underlining the keywords, asking yourself, what are they looking for? What is the question behind the question? Uh, what do they expect to say and how would this essay be judged? So you're probably looking at uh, talking about your leadership experience. You're talking about sharing your impact, sharing what you did, not just as part of a team, but your contribution to that team. So I'll start by underlining some keywords. Uh, what are signs that someone would be a future leader? In three, we are saying that, uh, sorry, I, I wanted to bring in a tree expression. I've forgotten that, but it's more of beginning to show signs of what you'd become at a young age. So being a future leader uh, wouldn't happen by miracle. It means that you begin to make some uh, input, hold some values. You are a particular individual that has some characteristics that as compared or comparatively make you stand a better chance of influencing or becoming a future leader in your field. So it's where you go into your toolbox, you go into your experiences and draw on everything you think you have done that is worthwhile, everything that you have done that shows that you are a leader. And here, you need to have in mind that you, you are going to be one out of maybe 70,000 applicants whose essays are going to be read, whose essays are going to be read. So you need to be unique in how you communicate your stories and also understand some basic um, uh, strategies in, in approaching uh, this essay. And in the interest of time, let me share two of those strategies with you. One is that in persuasion, you think of how you are communicating a compelling story to persuade your audience. And the tools for persuasion uh, can be grouped into three, uh, drawing from Aristotle's work, where you are talking about the the logos in your work is the logos, pathos, and then ethos uh, triangle. You're looking at the logic of your argument what is the sequential flow does it make sense is it convincing what statistics are you drawing from what is the impact what are the numbers so you're speaking to the mind you're speaking to the logic of the argument now a lot of people would only consider one side of this persuasion but the truth is humans are drawn or humans are influenced and convinced not just by the word not just by statistics but there are other aspects of it so beyond the logos or the logic in your argument you look at the emotional appeal that is the pathos you are drawing from your value what makes you care what makes you tackle what are the circumstances that drive you nuts or what are the circumstances that make you excited and how does that influence the thing you do and this is about the emotional appeal that you are bringing in you are using image you are using stories it can be personal stories it can be anecdotal you are on how your story is touchy. The story is heartwarming. It clicks some readers' mind to understand who you are, to understand what you're passionate about, to understand why you do what you do, not just, I mean, blurting out about the logos. And the last part of this is the ethos. That is about your individual credibility, and it, it draws back to uh, what you have done, who you are, your background. So you look at the being, writing a compelling story that touches on all of these three items. And in my initial remarks, when you watch 
the videos, especially one that I did on writing the essays. I touched on this and explain and give lots of examples. So I would encourage you to do uh, more reading, view more, and, and listen to approach this essays world. I said I was going to say two things about this. The second thing is, if you want to be convincing enough and you want to stand out from the crowd, you want to pick out very strong examples and you're trying not to communicate only one thing. In my essay, for example, I tried to write this in five paragraphs and four out of those five paragraphs was... Sorry, I'm just pausing a little for the cast to pass. And four out of those four, four out of those five paragraphs was a really strong, pointed, straight to the point uh, paragraph on what I have done. And you are using what we call the STAR approach. There are other models, but you're looking at what was the situation, what was the problem, what was, was uh, the solution, and what was the result of that. But the STAR model is the situation, the tax, the action you took, and the results. So you are describing where this was, what happened, what you did, and what the results of your action are to write a compelling story. Just one, not just two. You're trying to give multiple examples of times that you have shown impressive leadership and influence skills. That way, if you are giving yourself multiple opportunities to impress your, your reader so that, I mean, just if that one does not impress them, uh, you still have other opportunities. The second essay is on the influencing. And the preamble says, Shivin is looking for individuals with strong, professional relationship building skills. Like I said about the first one, this is where I will underline a key word like strong professional relationship building skills. What are strong professional relationship building skills? You begin to think of examples. How do you reach out to people? How do you convince people to, to join you on a mission? So you, you begin to underline these keywords, then draw um, other bullet point or other smaller notes about how you demonstrate these keywords, drawing from examples, and then based on these examples, you compel or you, you, you compile a, a very compelling story um, around the example. So this essay is basically looking at how you are able to influence network, work as a team with people, and influence decisions into a particular order. Because leadership and being a future leader is not just about how brilliant you are, but it's, about, it's, it's also about how you're able to convince your team, how you're able to network with people, the right people, put them in the right places, and work together towards um, a mission. And like I said, with, with the first essay as well, you're trying to give multiple examples, use the STAR approach, be specific, uh, show your impact, but touch on the logos, the pathos, and the ethos. That is, the logic in your argument, the emotional appeal, and then the credibility of the individual uh, making that, that argument. Um, that essay, which is very, very crucial, and where some people struggle with is the study in the UK essay, where you are asked to justify um, why you have selected your courses and how this relates to your previous academic or professional um, experiences and then your plans for the future. So you coming back to question analysis, this is where you break the question down into the different aspects that they are looking for. Why did you select the, the courses that you've selected? How does this relate to your previous academic or professional experience? And what are your plans for the future? And you have 500 ways to do this. So Sivinin essays is not a place to convince people about how good you are with English, using flowery language, about going straight to the point and hitting it right at the head because you have only 500 words. Now, like I said, this is the kind of essay you want to show the reader that you know what you are doing. You know your onions. It means that you do a lot of research in order not to make your essay read like everybody's own. 
And like I said, I mean, if you have about 70,000 people writing essays and they are going to answer the same question and they're reading and almost like everyone they are reading is saying the same thing, it becomes boring. That is where when someone says something very specific, very unique, very different, the person is easily noticed and commended for that extra effort. So try to go beyond the extra mile, try to go the extra mile. Uh, by being very specific and showing that you have done your research by, I mean, not just blurting out what is obvious or what everyone else will say. You may say the most popular things, but also showing that you, you've gone beyond that uh, essay. But be specific about... I'm very sorry about the background noise. Be specific about how that university is the best place to study that course that you have chosen. So if a university is not known or doesn't have a reputation for, for a, a particular course and you choose that course, it may be difficult for you to make that argument. And it comes back to Dennis's point about, for example, have you already spoken to some lecturers in the department whose research interests um, are exciting to you? So in my example, for example... <laughs> In my essay, for example, I spoke about the work of Professor Kwame Achampon, where I drew the relationship that I did a postgraduate diploma in UCC. He was a lecturer at UCC now. Um, it's, it's a lecturer in that department. And his research interest strongly aligns with mine, strongly aligns with previous research that I have done. And I'm looking forward to work with him because he'll be in the same department. So that is a unique story. This is something that not everyone can say, because apart from we having similar research interests, I can identify to him as someone coming from Ghana, with him coming from Ghana, and also sharing uh, another thing as being in the same school. So look for unique ways to stand out uh, beyond uh, the other things like the rankings, the, the location and other things. Another important part of this essay is the study, uh, sorry, your, your, your career plans after that. Dennis uh, spoke uh, at length. The most important thing I have to state here is show that you are coming back and show that you are using the knowledge and expertise to create and multiply your impact in your country. And so just saying things like, oh, when I come back, I'll do a PhD and I'll, I'll work in this area and I do this, I do this, without touching on how does this impact society? How is this related to the UK government's priorities? How is this related to helping us achieve the SDGs or the African Tech uh, 2063? Um, agenda. So link this international goals and also show the impact that you are, you are going to have. So in my case, for example, I said that I'm going to do this and this would benefit this number of people. And then year 2030, this is the number of people that will be benefiting from the program. This is the people I have spoken about already. These are the people I'm going to be partnering with and organizations I'll be working with to achieve these specific goals that align with what the UK government is doing in this area that has benefited this number of people. So be, be uh, very specific, be very convincing and and show the impacts there now the last essay uh sorry i think i made a mistake that i need to clarify the third essay is only about studying in the uk and then the last essay which i've just talked about is about studying in the uh, sorry it's about your future career plans where they ask you to talk about what you'll be doing in the short medium and long term after your scholarship and given that i have given uh, some tips on this i i will leave it there i hope that um helps uh, on, on how to go about the essays. And like I said from the beginning, there's lots of resources for you to access. Great, 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 great. Uh, I mean, very in-depth um, and very insightful. I think we have about 18 minutes to 10 o'clock. Uh, we should be done before 10 o'clock. So um, at this point, I would open up for questions. Um, if you have any question, you can um, quest and I would invite you to speak. I see Emmanuel Hinkra. I don't know if you have a question. But let me add if you have a question. Anyone else who has a question, you can request so that I give you the opportunity to 
to speak and ask your question. Okay, victory. Let me add victory as a speaker. If you have a question, you you can um, request for the microphone. And whilst Victory is connecting, I would like to uh, rehash the points that the Chevening uh, Scholarship is currently opened, and then also the Commonwealth uh, Master Scholarship is opened. And so, I mean, we've had a lot of conversations about it. Uh, then it gives the insights about the Commonwealth Shared, which is like university based, and you have to go to the university's website as well and apply. And that is like equally sometimes cost specific. So there are some courses and all that but then the commonwealth master's program is like equally like the chevelin like it's open to every university and any course at all so when you apply to the commonwealth master's program so you can apply to the Commonwealth master's scholarship which allows you to go on any specific institution etc they have the commonwealth which will be opened later on but then the master's is now currently open and will be closing i think this october uh october 7th or so and with that you you are able to take it to any investor at all but with a shared if you go to the site based on the, the theme that you have um there are eligible universities and eligible programs and then you can check out on those universities and the programs that you want to apply for so if it's like governance whatever like all the courses that are eligible for that and those are like jointly sponsored by the commonwealth secretariat as well as your universities so um would later on have like more in-depth conversations on maybe specific scholarships but this one was just to give you insights like this is just, we are just scratching the surface for you to get to know that i mean opportunities that you can take advantage of and pursue your academic um, academic dreams and i mean a lot of times it's quite difficult to find a lot of people not being able to pursue their academic dreams because of of funding and so if there are things like this uh, opportunities like this uh, definitely very genuine and you don't even have to pay for anything at any particular point in the application process. It's absolutely free. And I mean, with the tips that Dennis gives about fee waiver and all that, if like maybe that £50 um, application fee is definitely a challenge to you, then you can actually adopt and get like a fee waiver as well, depending on the school as well. And most of the times, fee waivers are treated on a case-by-case -case basis. You may or may not get. Um, I still don't get any request. Does that mean that our speakers have been... Uh, Does that mean that our speakers have been uh, very much detailed, that uh, we have a lot of understanding? But well, I mean, if that's the case, I'll just let our speakers um, round up. But I mean, I mean, I just want them to just give us a highlight of their time, like on the scholarship. Like, I mean, something just to tease us, like, I mean, to get people fired up. Steven, I think you, you are ready to go. Yes, I'm ready to go because I'm getting ready to leave. But okay. um, I think that just having the opportunity, like uh, Shivanin, is very life changing because you are connected to uh, a network of uh, 50,000 uh, alumni get to network and learn from. And I think one half of the program is the fact that you leave the program having made lifelong friends. And I've seen uh, two of those people that I met on my course on the program. So I would want to say shout out to uh, Lua Tobi Oseni, who I did the same course with uh, in the University of Success. Uh, it's a great guy doing amazing things in, in Nigeria, especially in IT education. But I think that 
the greatest benefit of these programs is the exposure, the level of network that it, it, it enriches for you. And it's about what you make for, for it. So for any of you listening, in case you get to make it to any of these scholarships, I want you to make the best of that opportunity and use that time to network, to learn, because post-scholarship, I think it's going to set your career on a different path and different trajectory. And you shouldn't just focus on the beauty and the experience of living abroad, but you should look at how you're building your knowledge, skills, and networks for long-term um, impact. So those are my last words, and I wish all of you the best. Thank you very much, um, Stephen. I think I, I, I also just... I mean, I was trying to get Olu Atobi so that, I mean, he would be able to give us a few words because you have mentioned him. But, I mean, if he's able to accept that, fine. Um, Dennis, Dennis, um, okay. your highlights and maybe kind of wrapping up words. Okay, okay. So, um, I, I, I arrived in the UK two weeks ago, so I'm still enrolled in the, the scholarship. And uh, I think technically... Um, um, Mr. Steven has, has said it all. He has said it all. The experience, the exposure. Um, I mean, apart from the academic and research aspects of it, uh, there are also networking opportunities because you meet diverse students from all walks of life, right? And they all have several opportunities, right? There are so many internships, in internship opportunities, volunteering opportunities. There are so many opportunities, right? So it's not only about the lucrative aspects of the scholarship, the money and all that. There are actually so many benefits. And then, uh, yeah, so basically what I'll say is uh, based on my two weeks experience in the UK. So I've realized that um, what you should do is you should get close to the, your lecturers, get close to the lecturers because these people have a lot of opportunities. I mean, career opportunities, research opportunities. So when you get close to them, follow them on their social media platforms like LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, follow them. Yeah, and if you are working on a project, just get close to them, right? Communicate with them, let them know what you are doing and everything. So that when there are opportunities, they can actually help you. Yeah. So come out is, is a very massive scholarship, very comprehensive, everything included. Everything, everything you will ever need will be given to you. Uh, so you just have to focus, right? Focus, uh, just learn hard and make sure you make the most out of the scholarship. So that's basically all I have to say. And, and you don't have to... You don't have to leave out uh, the, the God factor. Yes, I should have said this, but I forgot. The references, right? The, the, ref, the recommendation letters. So you have to be very strategic about the recommendation letters. Especially if, no offense, no offense, but if you are not a TE or you haven't been a TE, then you have to listen to what I'm going to tell you. Because you see, lecturers actually teach thousands of students. So maybe you have completed um, a year ago or two years ago, and then you haven't established any form of rapport with a particular lecture, and then out of the blue, you call the lecturer for a recommendation letter. Probably this lecturer doesn't even remember, remember who you are, but he knows that, okay, fine, there was a guy like this. So how would you expect the lecturer to draft your recommendation letter? So what's our advice is, if you contact a lecturer that doesn't really know you, or probably you haven't been in touch for a long time, attach your CV, attach, send your CV to the lecturer. That, oh, say, um, I mean, if you're writing the, the recommendation, this is my CV. So the lecturer gets a fair idea of, what you're actually doing, right? It was, maybe the lecturer can say that because I, I was a TE, right? And I was working hand in hand with the lecturers. And sometimes a student will call, they want a recommendation, and the lecturer doesn't know what to write. So he'll just write something general. Oh, he's a good student. Yeah, I mean, good communication, those general things. And that will not really help in terms of you securing the scholarship. So at, attach your CV so that the lecturer knows exactly the kind of information to include, right? So that's, that's basically it, yeah.
Thank you very much, um, Dennis. I think we have we have Olua uh, Olua Toby Oseni now on, but I think Nico Nico, do you have a question? If you have a question, please, um, you can ask in the next fifteen seconds so that uh, before our speakers, I mean, deliver us. All right, all right, all right. Thank you, thank you so much for the for the presentation. Uh, for so much detailed information. Uh, my question is straightforward. Uh, Mr. Senior made mention of uh, the courses when you are. Uh, filling the application for the Shevening Scholarship. Uh, he made mention that if you want to apply, you have to apply th either three different courses from uh, three different universities or the same, uh, what do you call it, uh, or courses or programs that are linked linked in a way from one different university. I want to get that clear. Thank you. All right, sure. Senior. Steven, this if you are available. Sorry, I, I I missed that. What did you say? Okay, so his, his question is he wants more clarity on the the selection of the courses. Um, he mentioned you had mentioned <laughs> that it's either you are picking three different courses from three different universities, or you are picking like um some courses or similar courses from the same university. Three similar courses from the same university. He wanted more insights into that. Yeah. So so basically, the idea here is that you want to find a golden thread between all your four essays such that what you said you have done in leadership and influence relates to what you are going to read. So at the end of the day, you see yourself as, okay, my baby is gender, my baby is IT, my baby is AI, my baby is um, microbiology, something. Like that is the field that you want to become a future leader in. It's not necessarily about becoming a politician, but in what field? In public health, is this in agriculture? Is this in IT? Is this in education? then try to capitalize on throughout the essays things related to that to build your ethos, as in your credibility in that area. This means that your choice of courses would have to be courses that would prepare you for that field and also in school are known to offer that very well. So there are schools that when you mention them, they are known for certain things. So, for example, uh, the University of Sussex, where I selected to read International Education and Development, has been ranked consistently as the best university in the world for studying development. And that is a big issue to say that, okay, this is what I want to do, and this is the course that has been ranked as number one in the world for doing this. That is why I'm going there. So just try to find that golden thread, the justification for selecting those courses as it relates to your career plans, as it relates to your leadership and influence, to find that consistency. So you're not talking about this year and then another time you're talking about this, but consistency and, and then the golden thread between your essays. Great, um, Senor. Um, thank you very much. Um, now take Olua Tobi. Um, very great. I'm very much excited that you accepted to be on. I mean, we definitely need to hear from you, some insights for us. Your general overview, I mean, something for us. Um, thank you so much, uh, Joshua. And uh, Senor, thank you so much. Um, it was great uh, being classmates with you. It was a lot to learn also um, together. Um, I think I have just um, four main points. One would be the fact that you cannot overemphasize um, how much you can learn from those who have applied previously. Especially, I, I think one of the greatest resources you might find, find really is um, videos on YouTube. Um, a lot of scholars have dedicated time to making these videos and um, also, I mean, reading a lot of people's application for me, um, I think I've realized that you can just see the gap between those who have prepared um, with um, videos online or maybe with speaking to a scholar and those who just try to write the essays themselves. And this is why I always um, apply one golden rule, really, which is that before you write your leadership essay, 
um, you create a document that sort of looks like line of your life. So you look at your life, for example, and say, I was born, let's say, 1900, and then 1901, I did X, Y, Z. And so when you are then writing your leadership experience and trying to tie your story together, you are able to take a, um, what's it called, a very holistic view at your, your life and see how you can tie these things together and how these are shaping your career or your journey so far. Um, the second point would be that I always advise that you start early. Um, I think what one thing most people try to assume is that the essays are just for 500 words, and so you think you can write it today and submit tomorrow. Um, but the truth is that it would show you. Yeah? It's just 500 words, and you're trying to cramp all of those leadership experiences into 500 words. Now, it's really tough, especially, again, because you are competing for one of the toughest or the, um, what's it called, toughest scholarships in the world. And also, um, I advise you start early, if possible, set up an account tonight, start to look at this right away and see um, how far you can go. Um, the third one would be, what Senor mentioned, you have to research your program very well. And um, why you need to research your program really is because eventually would, um, I've had people who eventually get training and they don't, um, they like the scholarship, but they don't seem to really enjoy the program. That's again, because they don't, uh, or they did not apply, um, what's it called? They did not research the program. So for example, you see a program titled, let's say education and development. And what you really wanted to learn was probably gender and education. You know why there might be modules as part of it, but it might it probably would have been better for you to do a gender program separately instead of doing an education and development program. So, and I think this is one thing we also need to do, and also will guide you in answering question theory, also um, for your achievement application. And I think the fourth and the most important part would be please do not use ChatGPT to write your essay, and um, because I'm sure that achievement is going to force to see for that. Um, Chipnin, I think yesterday or today, um, said that most common pitfall also is the fact that a lot of people do not meet the requirement of two years work experience. And I think one thing I have seen, especially in my country, Nigeria, is the fact that um, a lot of applicants do not put their work experience well. Um, the portal is counting how many hours you've worked, so always try to take notes. When you've had your work experience, look at how many hours it translates to and make sure that you, um, what's it called, you record your work experience appropriately. Um, I think the only requirement for cheating is two years work experience. And that's the first thing that would be saved through. If you did not meet that experience, even if you had a job at the UN and you were personal assistant to the Secretary General, you can't get the award. And that's one of the most important things that I advise people to look out for. Thank you. Great. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, so you see fresh perspectives and all those things. The point is that I think for me, even just listening to our speakers and the kind of different perspectives they are bringing tells you the need, like the necessity for you to be a bit unique. It's, it's like a trait that it's cutting across because even though they are speaking even about the same thing, same requirements, same scholarships, you'd get to see that there's some kind of diverse kind of perspectives on some of the things that you need to work on and all those things. It tells you that, I mean, to be able to stand out, one thing you need to do is to be unique. Uh, I can't thank you enough. Um, Dennis, Steven, who is not here at the moment, and Oluwatosin. Uh, this is just the beginning of our conversations when it comes to uh, scholarships. As much as possible, the Commonwealth Student Association in Ghana would be holding a lot of these uh, similar sessions uh, to ensure that, I mean, all of us, I mean, anybody at all who needs access to information is able to get enough information uh, on some of these things, and we are contributing towards reducing the financial barriers to higher education in Ghana and across the continent. A big thank you to the chairperson of the Commonwealth Association, Benjamin Fraser, who joined uh, us earlier. And all of you who got time to also join. I mean, it's 10 o'clock and it's 5 for now. See you again in our subsequent sessions. We'll be hosting a session 
uh, a master class session on shared winning scholarship alone. And then once shared, uh, Common World Shared also opens, who hosts like a master class on it because then Common World Secretariat will, not, will announce like the investors and the programs that the shared would be for this year. So we would have more detailed insights. But if you are looking forward to applying, the best time to start is now. Shared is open, Common World Masters is opened. Go out there, check out on them. Go to YouTube, find a lot of information on them. Follow our speakers, those who spoke. Find them, speak to them. Go on LinkedIn, search for them, chase them, seek insights. And I mean, it should be fine. God of us, uh, have a lovely evening wherever you are. Bye, everyone.